Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey, welcome back. Here's Leadership is Tricky. Um, I'm here with Steven. Hey, What's up, Eric, Steve? how you doing? I am good. Uh, how are things going for you? Going well, you know, just... Having a good day today. I'm glad that we're finally here, able to put some time together for this podcast. Oh, absolutely. So uh, we're sitting up here in my attic uh, right <laughs> now. Where we, uh, we actually have a putting green, so it's kind of fitting that we're here. So we'll post some pictures of actually what the setup looks like. So people yeah, can... aligns exactly to two of our big passions right now. So this is good stuff. Yeah, cool. So um, we're going through our topics today on um, some of the ideation that we've had over the last couple of weeks on what some of the topics we want to cover. And today we kind of want to talk about isms in the workplace, right? So whether it's, you know, ageism um, or any other ism that's out there. Um, so kind of where do we want to take this, right? So we could talk about why do we start to blame other generations for our current problem sets? Um, kind of, you know, that discussion that folks keep having about millennials versus, you know, um, baby boomers and and all that but you know just from our perspective right so just for people that are out there right we are kind of in that millennial yeah like um, the x y hybrid early 80s kind of you know generation where we grew up and a lot of people you know they want to say the millennials are the generation that never knew not to be online with internet and and computers i actually do remember a time in my childhood of us not having a machine so you know we had that maybe earlier perspective of going out, playing all day, coming home at dinner time versus maybe what the kids grow up with now where they're, you know, behind a screen playing with them, playing with other people through the internet and stuff. So, you know, we can see both sides of it, but, um, you know, getting to the, the isms of, uh, of, you know, what we have listed here, I think let's start maybe the bigger picture. You know, why do we, why is it intrinsic to people just to kind of focus in on, you know, what separates us or makes us different? Like, why do we get into isms? So I think um, uh, one of the things I would probably say from my lens is that I find that people have a built-in bias towards things, right? And whether it's society or the way that we grew up, right, um, that bias then turns into some type of prejudice sure. over time, right? Yeah. And, and there's also fear, right, of the unknown. Because, you know, folks that I talk to that are a little bit more, you know, seasoned, more experienced than I am in, you know, not just in the workplace, but in life. Um, they look back and say, oh, you know, you guys have it so easy now or, or you know, you guys um, don't know what a, what a good day's work is. The and, whole like walking to school and, you know, yeah, 30 feet of snow, abs- barefoot, all that good stuff. Yeah, kind of that, you know, that folksology, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so in talking to these folks, you start asking the questions, you know, well, why do you feel that way? Give me some facts. Um, why can't we bridge this gap that we have? Um, and people put on a defensive mechanism and they, they quickly turn to that bias that they have built. Um, and it's not, it's not facts, right? It's more perception and kind of their alternative reality. It's your truth. I think it's what it comes down to. And then you start to tease out a little bit more. And then, you know, you start to hear little things like, you know, you know, the internet's moving too fast for me, you know, the world and all these apps and, you know, the technology is moving too quick. And then you start to see that it's more fear of the unknown or fear because it could be that the workplace or society or whatever has passed them by. um, And they're just trying to keep up or just trying to hold on. 
but again, that's that's my my perception and having the discussions. You know, what are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think it's just easy. I think that's main the main reason why we look at what makes us different versus what makes us similar. Because when you talk about millennials, you know, wanting constant feedback, wanting to be more collaborative in nature potentially, and you know, maybe more aligned to you know finding employers of choice that you know, invest in them with the freebies that we hear about at some of these uh, companies out there. And then, you know, you hear about the lack of loyalty. I think that's a perception as well. I feel like people have always wanted these kinds of things in life. You know, they've always wanted to be appreciated. They've always wanted that feedback. They wanted to be rewarded. Um, some, And they've also wanted to make an impact as early as possible. That's another thing that you hear about with, you know, the early, the, the, the generations of today versus before where, you know, quote unquote, you're supposed to pay your dues before you become a, a formal leader in your organization. So I just think it's an easy to use the word cop out. I really do. Um, and to your point, there's some fear there. There's some fear of change. There's some fear of a new way of the world being not what it used to be 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And we should just be more adaptive in nature. And I think that's something that you and I ascribe to not to say that we're better than other people. I just think that we've had that aha moment in our lives with others that we surround ourselves with. So it's interesting, though, because we're starting to see and we're both in a situation where kind of the younger generation is now put in charge. You know, yep. they're charged with leading some of the more seasoned professionals out there. And, you know, what are some of the things that you see now that makes leadership extremely tricky with you know, trying to bridge the gap between you might have the, you know, the 27 year old versus the 52 year old versus the 45 year old. Right. And they're and everyone has a different way of looking at complex issues yep. in the way that they want to do it. And, you know, you might have some that are looking at you like, hey, you know, you can't teach me anything. And you have the other ones that you can't teach me anything. And you have the one right in the middle. It's kind of like show me. <laughs> right. Teach me something. Right. So so how, how are you balancing um, a leading multiple spectrums. Uh. Yeah, I think it's being open-minded and I think it's also educating yourself about all the people that you mentioned, the 20-year-old versus the 50, 60-year-old. What was the world like when they grew up? What were those external influences and factors that they might have had? But what I'm trying to skirt around, which I should just clearly say, is you should get to know the person and what their motivation system happens to be. How are they productive in the workplace? How do they want feedback? So it comes down to the people. You and I have talked about this. We should learn more about each person's tics and what they what they enjoy and what they like to do. And at the end of the day, don't generalize. And I think we do that. It's easy to put things in a box. But for what I from my personal perspective, you know, what I try and do is sit down with each of these people and it gets into that, you know, personal relationship that I'm trying to build with my team. And it's not this managerial, very formal, dictatorial, come in and tell me what you've performed on. It's let's have a conversation about not the work, but how are you doing as a person? How is your life treating you? If you have older children, how has the struggle been from, you know, if them if they just recently left the nest and went to college versus maybe the the 20 year old that just had a baby and then going through those, you know, new parent things. I think that's the part that we really should focus more on and not focus so much on, oh, you're 30 you're a millennial. This is what I already believe to be true before getting to really know you. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, even though I'm kind of in that millennial kind of window, I've got an old soul. Right. And a lot of people that know me know that I have an old soul. Right. <laughs> I, I look at things differently. But 
Yeah, I think to your point, though, it's sitting down with individuals and understanding their competencies and what do they bring to the table and what are some of those external factors that might put them in what we like to call the grip, right? That little danger area of when I give them a new task, you know, that puts them in a heightened sense of chaos. And then, you know, understanding the individual and those triggers and how to pull them out of that. Right. So we can start to learn together. And someone told me a long time ago about uh, perceptions of person. Um, it's it's it was a, it's kind of a menial chart. Right. They put it up there and they're like, hey, here's this chart that says over time um, there's a clarity versus perception that I have of an individual. And when you know a new employee comes in, you look at their age, you look at all those external things and you start to your bias takes over and you start to make assumptions of who you think that person is. Sure. But over time by sitting down and asking them questions and having that dialogue with them, that clarity of who that person is, what are their values, what are their beliefs? And then what are those triggers that, you know, you have to be cognizant of as a leader. So, um, and I think that applies to any age, you know, whether it's that, uh, 52, 57 year old, that's close to retirement, um, that has, you know, tons of wisdom that you can draw from or that, you know, that 25 year old that just came out of college that has fresh new ideas on how to get after something, but might need some of the historical knowledge. It's as leaders, I think it's for us to understand who they are and how do you bring all that together? So we're all learning from each other. So, you know, for the listeners and for myself, give me something more tactical about how do you document or keep straight the people on your team and kind of what they're motivated by instead of, you know, defaulting to the generation isms or ageisms or anything like that. What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then also what we're looking for from the audience is give us some of those experiences, right? Um, whether it's in the form of an article or a blog, but yeah, you know, even an email, right? Give us a little bit of a, here's a leadership challenge that I have out there, you know, with the different generations in my workplace. And it could be someone sitting right next to you that, yeah. you know, you have no informal or formal authority over, but you have to have a relationship with to get over it. But, you know, you guys just aren't seeing eye to eye. Um, so one of the things that we, we talked about too is like, you know, how do we, how do we bridge that gap? And then how do we come to a common understanding um, in the workplace? And then I think we want to finish with one, one, one other question too, is like, do we value um, what we quote unquote are gray beards or more experienced individuals in the organization? Um, you know, how, how do we get more out of them? How do we leverage that? So I think let's get back to the, how do we come to a common understanding in the workplace um, amongst all of the groups of people? And I, we kind of touched on it, but I just want to deep dive a little bit. More. Yeah. So for me personally, what we do on our team is we dedicate an hour every two weeks for the work to be pushed aside and everybody comes together to talk about anything and everything going on in, in the world, in their life, um, kind of an open book. And the team has kind of come together around that. And, you know, our team is made up of probably a 35, 40 year gap of employees. So, you know, you got a little bit of diversity there from different, you know, socioeconomic kind of things. Um, but what's cool about it is they get to know e about each other in a specific area. We use these things called spark cards and it kind of is an open-ended, you know, rhetorical question almost, but it does generate some conversation. So we do that. So what type of question would, would be on one of those cards? So, you know, the whole kind of like if you're stranded on an island, what are the three books that you would have with you or, or things like that of that nature? Or, you know, what's your favorite room in your house? That was one that always rang true to me. And so people had some really interesting um, ideas. They would even talk about their car being part of the house. And I had to think about that for a second because I guess, you know, typically Americans keep their cars inside of their garage potentially. So 
maybe that is a place of, you know, comfort for them and they love working on their car and sitting there and doing their thing. But so what's um, your favorite place for me personally and yeah, your house. So today it's in my kitchen. That's like my kind of hub of the, uh, of how my family kind of interacts with each other today. Uh, my daughter, you know, she's almost four years old now. So she has a lot of her toys in that area. I get a lot of, um, get a lot of strength from there. We've got our cats running around. I got the Wi-Fi obviously hot so I could have my computer out there and just see everything going on. So I, I feel really comfortable in that space right there because I like to be around people. That's kind of part of my personality. What about nice. you, Eric? Ah, what would I say? Um, so I'm, I'm an introvert. Although okay. you, you are, I do challenge you on that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I like being, um, I like being in the living room. I do like that, you know, being around the kids running around. Although sometimes they get on my, you know, they stress me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, that's kind of the hub for a house, right? Is, you know, be there, be together. Um, but when I'm seeking energy, I like to be in my attic. Um, kind of where we're at recording right this now. This is the place, and, the man cave, yeah. Yeah, and just getting more energy from just, you know, being able to be alone with my thoughts. And um, so I, I would say that, but, you know, I didn't want to hijack it. It's just uh, the spark cards kind of a... Uh, no, nah, it's it's a really cool tool from a, you know, a colleague of, or a friend of mine. Her name's Monica. She has a really cool company. Um, it, I just think it's a really cool tool to, you know, usually when you have people come into a room, you want to like get to the task at hand and then you want to, then everybody goes off and does their own thing. Uh, these cards really get introspective. You know, we've learned some interesting things about people on our team and we have some free thinkers, let's just say, on the team. So it's been interesting to learn about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I like to, you know, just to, to help kind of bridge things is I like to go sit and talk with people um, and people haven't noticed it yet. But if I'm having a conversation with someone and I see someone walking in the hallway, I like to pull them in to the conversation. So kind of um, like that impromptu spark kind of conversation. And if people haven't noticed yet, they will have to start listening to this. Is All that right. I'll start the conversation. It'll get going. It'll get good. And then I, I pull myself out of it. And I think I've kind of done my part. It's going to mix the pot a little bit. And then yeah, and it's, and it's not to be rude. It's just um, typically, uh, you know, I'll finish the dialogue that I have with the first individual. But I've brought this other person in that's starting to grab some nuggets. And they'll start to have their own conversation with the group. And then once that connection happens with that other individual, I'll pull myself out of there. Um, and I, I like to do it with folks that have been around for a while um, and folks that are just probably new into the environment. So it just to kind of force that collision uh, between them. And I like how you said that, because that's exactly what we're trying to do. Cause there's, you know, let's talk about the workplace that we work in today. It's very, let's say 30, 40 years ago in structure with, you know, doored offices everywhere lots of doors in between other spaces. So there's not a lot of this forced collision with people just seeing each other because we live in our, we live and work in our individual areas. So good on you for getting out there and trying to find those folks. Cause I would guarantee you they're not seeing each other normally and you know, you don't know what they're thinking about. And there's probably some commonalities all throughout the building. So I think there's the physical separation, but then there's also kind of that logical separation because of the hierarchy uh, that we live in. Right. Um, so just being in the nature of the business that we're in, there's, there's a hierarchy and I'm sure it's in the industry as well. Um, where probably that CEO, CIO, CTO, or COO, whatever, O, 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 O we want to throw out there. And right? there's that, yeah. So like people have that kind of, 
aversion to even walking down that hallway, let's say to the mahogany road to even talk with them, right? Oh, that's kind of cool. Mahogany yeah. road, yeah. Yeah. So where the nice furniture's at, they got the nice coffee, and then you got the folks that are in the trenches that are probably never talked to that individual, right? Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of where I see that as leaders, we have to make a concerted effort to try to bridge the gap between not just the generations, but also the personalities and the the like the likely um, competencies that are out there and see how we can force that collision, you know, within the organization. Um, and we have to be that connective tissue. Right. So um one of the other things we're talking about, you know, is do we value the experience around us? I know people talk about gray beards. Eh. You know, I'm I'm fairly young, too, and I'm growing my beard and I got gray beard. You know, <laughs> I got gray hairs that I found out. So uh, but no, really, how do we how do we value and leverage the experiences within our organization or company or, or whatever um, the folks around us? And um, I, I think it's important as we look at this time and age is that, you know, a lot of folks are starting to retire. Um, and to your point, uh, a lot of the younger generation that it's kind of in that service category, sure. you know, they're there for two years and, you know, they're working on a project and they might move on to another challenge. Yep. Um, so that, that growing that knowledge internally uh, within your organization probably isn't there any longer. So how do we, how do we tap into those, those resources that help grow that organization or that business? Yeah. I think it comes down to first knowing who the people in the organization are that have that experience. If it's a gray beard, if it's just someone that's been there, you know, in today's world, five to 10 years, that's a long time in an organization. Absolutely. So I think it's about them leaving a legacy. Um, and I'll tell a story. So we have someone on our team who's, you know, she, she came right out to me and said, you know, I'm within five years of retiring. Um, I don't really want to go to any training or any of these, you know, experiential assignments that I've been personally trying to promote. Um, some internal stuff that's, you know, essentially funded. And I flipped it on its head a little bit with her and I, I challenged her to think about it a different way. And I said, if you went to this class and were there for the three weeks and met someone who had just joined, you know, the organization brand new, wet behind the ears and had no idea what they were doing, wouldn't it be awesome if you could be there to kind of be a coach, a mentor or something and just kind of tell your story to them. And at the end of the day, get a three week kind of, I don't want to call it a vacation because that's not the whole purpose, but at least she could be there to learn what the newer generation or even the newer folks, not in age, but the newer generation and experience to the organization were bringing and just see if there were any similarities, differences or whatnot. And she had to take, she took a step back. She kind of had a, Oh, I didn't really think about it that way. I thought of it as more of a, you know, you're wasting money on me because I'm going to leave the organization anyways. But that's the whole point. I think that's maybe where us as leaders, we should recognize that, you know, investing in not only the people that are those 20, 30 year olds or less than five year in the organization into a training program, but you got to invest in for the long haul, even if they've been around 20, 30 years, because there's always something learned, something something to do, something to uh, to get smarter on. It's interesting about your your uh, experience that you have with this individual, is that they said five years from now they're going to retire. That's yeah. a long time. Tell me about it. Right. So that person could still be developing skills that you can you can use today. You know, over the next five years. You know, while they're in the seat. You know, this uh, whole thought of hey, I'm I'm 
I'm in my twilight years. You know, I'm on the Oregon Trail. I'm going to fade off into the sunset. It's like, no, you're still moving. We're still going in that direction together. So I want to invest in you because if I don't, it might be detrimental to the business today. Well, and the trickiness for me to bring it back to why we're talking about this is in that moment, I had two choices. I could have been like, no, you're going to go. It's going to be mandatory and you're going to come back and we'll do a, a sit down, a, a retrospective, if you will. But then I had the other choice of, you know, trying to challenge him or her to think about it a different way and, you know, find that inner spark of motivation that potentially they used to have and it just had gone out for whatever reason. And I think us as leaders, maybe that's our job as well, is to find those people that used to have that motivation and just tap into it again, find that passion, that that inner spirit or whatever it is that just that they used to have potentially, but for whatever reason, life has happened and their priorities have changed. Yeah. So one of the things uh, I was having a conversation with someone not too long ago, maybe a couple, it might've been you, I don't know, but <laughs> talking about, talk <laughs> <laughs> but talking to, you know, talking about the individuals in your organization, you have those that are, you know, you know, early adopters, they're all in on, on the newest thing. Then you have those who are kind of on the fence, their fence sitters don't know which they want to go. And then you have those that are just resistors. Right. Um, and that's the theory, right? I read that in a book. That's the theory. The way I look at it is it's not so much resistors or just people that have lost their way. Right. Or that have been beat down by, you know, whether it's society or just life. And, you know, there's we, we got to find that little bit of spark hope. Yeah. We, Something. And, right? and, and, or I think that they're looking for hey, I'm looking for that good leader to be that beacon of hope for them so that they can just follow. Um, and, and I think that's I think that's what it is. And I think we get there is if we embrace where they're at in life where they're at in experience and we kind of tap into that and we have that conversation with them to let them know that you are still valued, right? You still matter. We still need you. Um, Cause I will tell you, I don't know. I don't know it all. Right. Although I tend to act like I do. <laughs> I don't, I hey, don't always, until you make it, man. Hey, but, I I, it. but I don't always get it right. Yeah. And I'm always looking to learn though, from everyone around me, whether it's the intern or the person that feels like, hey, I've got five years left and I'm done. Yeah. Well, no. Well, let me pull everything I can out of you in the next five years, right? Because there's a lot of value and there's a lot of experience in there, so that way I don't have to repeat the same mistakes. Um, and I, I think the last thing, though, is um, we're, we kind of wrote down here is, you know, do we value innovation, creativity, and free think? Um, how this ties to you know the isms, um, it could, right? Because it could be us looking at the the young intern that comes with free ideas. And, uh, you know, then we have this bureaucracy that's already in place um, that won't allow um, them to exercise that creativity or uh, be innovative or um, just be out of the box thinking. Right. I know I hate to say out of the box thinking, but yeah, or there is no box thinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, how do we how do we start to value some of that 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 new way of getting after things? Um, you dropped getting after. I know it's great, <laughs> but maybe I'll leave that to the audience, right? So I know we didn't want to keep this one too long. Maybe I'll leave that to the audience. Hey, so as we look at isms out there, whether it's ageism, whatever ism you want to throw out there, right? Are we valuing innovation, um, creativity, and free think um, if we're holding on to a lot of our biases? Right. How do we push biases aside and embrace and just show people a different way of thinking to get out of their comfort zones and their tribes? It, let's say if it's as simple as 
you know, the folks that have been around for the 20, 30 years, they only hang out with those folks as well because they can talk about those war stories they had together and how it used to be. And even the newer people coming in talking about, you know, where they came from and the challenges that they're seeing. And then those middle tier, you know, 10, 15, 20 year folks that have been around. And, you know, those are the folks maybe we should focus on the most because they're the most productive of all. We've invested a lot of, of time and energy getting them smart in the organization and now they're the ones that are actually producing the most, more than likely, maybe the, the, the folks that are a little bit more self-driven, trying to get to that next level and those kinds of things. And I think people just kind of naturally come together around those areas. But how do you break that apart? I'd love to hear from our audience on that idea, because I think there's probably some goodness out there of people getting after that. Oh, absolutely. So so with that, hey, you guys can reach us at leadershipistricky.com. Um, if you're listening to us now, you found us on SoundCloud or you've been linked to our SoundCloud site. So uh, continue to listen. We'll have more for you here in the future. So, uh, Steve, any parting thoughts? That's it, man. Hey, we're out.